Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be here today. Amen. It's good to be here with y'all, worshiping with y'all. It's been a minute. Amen. But, uh, man, we've been enjoying this weekend. We've just been so refreshed and blessed to be able to hang out with your pastors and already got to talk to some of y'all a couple times. And uh, so this morning I want to just encourage you. You know, we think of encourage. What does that word mean? It means to put courage in you. What's discourage mean? It means take courage out of you. Well, I ain't here to discourage you here today. I'm here to encourage you here today. Amen? Amen. Because I'm going to tell you something. Every single one of you have a place. And I think I mentioned this Thursday night, but I, I love this illustration about our father and that his, one of his names is omnipotent. Omnipotent. That means full strength. Everything comes from him. And omnipotent pinched off a piece of himself and sewed it inside you and so you now have potential why because you're part of the omnipotent one amen, amen. now this morning I want to just challenge you and ask you a question have you reached or are you reaching your potential Ask yourself that question. Let's just close our eyes for a second. I want you to see a scale of 1 to 10. 10 would be the full potential that you, by your gift and your measure of faith, can see the Lord doing with you, in you, for you, through you. And I want you to just measure yourself, not by, your, by others. Measure yourself by the very belief or the faith or the potential that you think God put inside you and put yourself on that scale today for where you are in this life and in this season, this time, this place. Most people will see a number. Might be five, might be eight, might be nine, might be ten. Might say, dude, I'm doing it. I'm getting her done. Other people might say, well, two, three. Well, either you're not or you're just getting started, or you're really not trying. And I want to encourage you to take hold for which he has taken hold of you. Because we've got to remember, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, and that he that begun this work on the inside of us has already promised to see it through to the end. Amen. So it is not up to God if we reach our potential in that sense because his predetermined will has already been released inside you. When you were born, your days were written in his book before you were conceived. Think about that. My days were written in his book. Do you know this day, the 4th of December, 2022, God knew where Herman would be. It was a predetermined day. He knew you'd be sitting right there in that seat at 1123 on December 4th, 2022, before your mommy and daddy even met, or before your grandma and grandpa even met, or before your great-grandma and your great-grandpa 
And we can take it all the way back to Adam. Amen. Because <laughs> we're all sons and daughters of Adam, right? Amen. We all have a predetermined potential. Now, I'm not done yet. How about you? Is anybody still in the race? Is there anybody that still got hold of the plow? Is anybody that still hadn't looked back? You know, when we come into Christ, the first step to Christ is called repentance, right? When, when Jesus came, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God has come. When John the Baptist came, you know, repent, all the apostles through the book of Acts. Repent. What do we do? What do we do? Repent, and you shall receive. Right? The word repent in the Hebrew is a picture. It's a picture word. In ancient Hebrew, all words had a numerical value and a pictorial picture. And they were actually like hieroglyphics. Ancient Hebrews like hieroglyphics. And it was written in pictures. And the word repent is a picture of a house on fire. And what that means is you burn down the place you came from so you can never return. That's what the word repent means. That's why Jesus said, if you take hold of the plow, don't you look back. Uh-uh. No, no, no. You, you do. You're not worthy of me. Jesus said, once you take hold, you never let go. Right? And God has already put inside you this potential. So in reality, we're pregnant with potential. And there's a baby growing inside of all of us. And that baby is our potential. It's our destiny. It's what we were created to do and who we were created to be and where we were created to go and who we were created to know. Our relationship was established before we were ever born. God had ordained that I would meet Pastor Tom and Vicki. God ordained that I would travel to Seoul, Korea in 1979 and meet my wife, Keong. And she didn't speak a word of English and I didn't speak a word of Korean. Don't ask me how that worked out. I still haven't figured it out 42 years later. Amen. I'm still. uh, Tomorrow is our 42-year anniversary. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I know she doesn't even look 42. I married her. She was six. I'm just kidding. I robbed a cradle. I'm just kidding. She's almost as old as me, and we'll leave it right there. Hallelujah. So each of us in this potential have a measure. Everybody say, I have a measure. I have a portion. I have potential. Now, finding your measure, finding your portion, I have discovered over a lifetime is a discovery process. The Bible talks about secret things being hidden. But they're not hidden from you, they're hidden for you. And the scripture talks about it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of a king to seek it out. So God conceals your destiny in the realm of the Spirit. It's down inside you. It's encoded even in your genes. God has encoded you. in the marvels of science and the discoveries of DNA and how God has written a program and created you and he spoke to nothing and created something? Isn't it amazing when you think about how fearfully and wonderfully we're each made? And so, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm spending my lifetime just saying, I'm still discovering who I am. I'm still discovering what I am. I'm still discovering who he is in me. 
And I pray every day that I'll see better, clearer, that I'll see more of my potential until I'm used up. I've told my family, I want this on my gravestone if I die before you. He left it all on the field. Amen? I'm used up. I used every square piece of potential that was inside of me. Amen? That's what I want to accomplish on the earth. How about you? If you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Turn around and look at someone and say, it's reasonable. reasonable. He'll never ask anything from you that's unreasonable. Amen. Amen? It's reasonable. It's reasonable. What's reasonable? That you be a living sacrifice. Turn around and say, is that really reasonable? <laughs> well, in God's language it is. Amen. In God's realm it is. In human realm, that may seem like an unreasonable demand. If I walk up to you, what's your name, sir? Matt. Matt, if I walk up to you, Matt, say, Matt, how are you doing? Yeah. Well, I'm Dave, and I would like you to die for me. <laughs> how about it? I'm a nice guy. I'm worth it. Just trust me. Die. For me. Now. <laughs> you might say, uh, I just met you, sir. That's a little unreasonable. Right? Yeah. Well, the good news is we haven't just met him. He's been alive for a long time. Amen. Amen. Yeah. He's our creator. And so he's really the only one that can ask of us, die for me. And that's how love is measured. He said, by this you will know them, that they love one another, how they lay down their lives one for another. That's how we really know his potentials inside of us, because I even have the potential to die for you. And you should have the potential to die for me, because that's the highest measure of love. Can you say amen? amen. So we're, first of all, called to do something that would seem unreasonable in the natural, but very reasonable in the realm of the spirit. Why? Because... Once we are in the realm of the Spirit, we realize we never really die. We just change locations. We change dimensions. We get a new body. Amen? And that's a good thing. I promise you it's better than the old one. Amen? I've already talked to the Lord about my height. <laughs> and I've asked him to borrow a few inches from Tom. <laughs> he could spare it. Amen? Amen? All right. So uh, I, 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 you'll find out something about me. I don't take myself that serious. Amen? Hallelujah. So we've got to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. First thing we've got to do is become holy. Say this with me. If I'm not holy, I'm unusable. I'm contaminated. I'm profane. I've marred the image. Think about that. First thing I got to do. Well, what's this living sacrifice about? It means become holy. What's that mean? It means stop sinning. Turn around to your neighbor and say, stop it. Just stop it. And then turn around to someone and say, but it's fun. I don't want to. I don't care. Stop it. Stop it. Just Get over here where I'm supposed to be. Stop it. 
Amen. Stop it. Because that's what holy means. Holy means without sin. <laughs> I broke it. Hallelujah. So we got to be holy. That makes us acceptable to God. And of course, we know that our holiness is a gift from Jesus, but now we must become what we are. So it's our responsibility to manifest who we are to the world and not who we were. I'm not here to reveal my father, the devil, because I got a new daddy. I'm now here to reveal my father, God. I'm here to reveal my Lord, Jesus Christ, and he's holy. He's holy. If it ain't holy, I ain't in it. If he ain't holy, don't want nothing to do with it. Why? Because I want to be acceptable. And this, again, is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Boy, that's a tough one. Why? Because we live here. Because we live here. Don't be conformed to it. Don't be pressed into the mold of this world. Don't try to look like the world, walk like the world, talk like the world, smell like the world, live like the world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's that Greek word, minamorphu, which means like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. It's a transformation. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's what we're doing here this morning. We're getting rid of stinking thinking, and we're replacing it with divine inspiration. Amen? Getting rid of stinking thinking. And then he goes on to say, For I say through the grace given to me. Everybody say, I have a grace. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Everybody say, I have a measure of faith. Now turn and look at someone else say, it's not your measure. Don't put your measure on me. I'm only responsible for my measure. That's why, we, you know, this, this chapter has some real wisdom in it. And this says, comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. Every man ought to think of himself soberly. Why? You don't have anything you weren't given. Think about it. What do you have that you weren't given? Nothing. So don't get too proud. Everything you have is by divine design. It's, it was written before you were born. So therefore, you can't get proud if you have a lot, and you can't get humiliated if you don't have much. Why? This way he made me. Now, if through slothfulness, if through unfaithfulness, if through disobedience, I don't fulfill my potential, that's on me. A lot of people come to me and they say, Pastor Dave, how can I know I'm in the will of God? And you know what I always say to them? Have you told him no? They say, well, what do you mean? I say, has the Lord asked you something and you said, no, I won't do that. No, I won't. And they say, no. I said, then you're in the will of God. But I think the will of God should be more. I know, and that's why you need to go back and read Romans 12, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, because God's given to every man a measure of faith, and apparently that's your measure. So deal with it. Turn around and say, Bobo. Deal with it. You ain't all that.
You ain't all that. That's called walking in humility. And what does pride do, by the way? God resists the proud. You won't get close or not. If you won't get close, don't get proud. That'll keep you far away. God resists the proud. He stiff arms them. But he gives grace to the humble. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, that man went down to his house justified and not the one who said, Lord, look at me. I'm in church every Sunday. I pay my tithe. I fast twice a week. God said, you religious, self-righteous bobo, get out of my face. Get out of my face. I resist you. Amen? So, we got to think soberly, okay? For as many as we, or I'm sorry, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts then differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now, we've just discovered two portions that we have. We have a measure of faith. You know what faith is? It's the ability to believe what isn't here is real. That's what faith is. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when I have a measure of faith, what my faith is, how do I determine my measure of faith? What can you believe is real that isn't here? Your healing? Your deliverance, your financial blessings, your place of grace, your position, where you will be. These are all things in the realm and the scope of faith. I love it in the uh, Passion Translation. Uh, where's that? It's in, I'll think of it in a second, but there's a verse that says, Faith activates the experience. It activates and pulls into the material what is promised in the Spirit. So their measure of faith means what can you pull into the natural from the realm of the Spirit. See, one day this man left Fort Worth, Texas and came to Columbia, Missouri, his home region. And he pulled this property out of the realm of the spirit into a portion he could possess with you. This thing didn't just fall out of the sky. It had to be birthed. It had to be birthed. It had to grow. And it had to be pulled out. I was in the ministry for, started in 1986, it was 2010, when the building I always saw us in manifested. 1986, 2010, before the building manifested. 
that I had in my spirit. I had faith. I kept saying, I see us here. I see us here. I see us here. If you're battling today some kind of a infirmity, some kind of a weakness, you've got to have the measure of faith to see yourself healed, to see yourself Amen. free. I see myself free. Amen. You know, right now I'm in a battle in my health because I abused my health when I was young. And I'm in a battle with diabetes. A battle. I call it a battle. Because it is a battle. Because I got a little blood glucose meter, and it's a tattletale. <laughs> but I've got a picture in my mind of my fasting blood sugar. I see it every morning when I pray. I look at that meter, and I have a number of my fasting blood sugar. It will be there, and I call it into existence every single morning. Now, I, my doctor says this to me. She says, she, so I've been battling this for about almost 15 years, and she said, Dave, I've never seen anyone keep this infirmity at bay like you have that I've just recently had to do any kind of medication, and I don't even have to do that if I just stop eating carbs, you know. I can control it 100% by diet. She said, I've never seen anyone do that for 15 years. Well, I'm not satisfied. It ain't done yet. So no matter who you look at or what you see, every one of us are in a place of possessing our measure of faith. So we see in this first two verses, we have a measure of faith, and we have a measure of grace, according to the graces given me. So faith is the ability to believe something is here that isn't. What's grace? By the grace given me. You know, grace is an ability that is put inside you by the Father. He determines it. Again, it's a portion. It was a portion you. He pinched off a portion of himself, and that became your measure of grace. In other words, I can do that. Grace is just the ability to do something. You know, you heard music as a child, I'm sure, Ezra. You heard music. And something inside you said, I can do that. I didn't do that. Okay? I didn't do that. It just wasn't my grace. Now, I tinkered around with it, and I realized something. I can play music. I can play guitar. I can play drums. But you know what? I'll never be above average. So guess what I did with that? I said, you go on the back burner. Why? I got to do what I was called to do. But the first time I taught a Sunday school class in 1982... It was not average. Something happened. People connected, and I connected, and I went. For the first time in my life, as a 22-year-old man, I knew what I was called to do. I was called to declare his word. I was called to teach his word. And so I dropped everything else because why? I found my ability, my grace my grace. My wife was in her 30s when we discovered, for, I mean, she was a mother, and her first job for many years was raising our girls. 
And she did a great job with it. They're all in church today. They're all, they're all building a church today. But, you know, it's amazing. When one day she sat down in a business situation and a businessman looked at her and said, um, you want me to teach you that? And it was Peachtree Accounting way back in the day. And I'll never forget that guy come walking out to me and he goes, you know, your wife has a gift. I said, really? He goes, she took to that like nobody ever seen before. Well, guess what her job is today? She's our church accountant. And man, she good. You ask anyone on our staff, this woman can count a bean like nobody you ever seen before. <laughs> She's a bean counter. She's an anointed, it's a move of God on an adding machine. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. And man, can she run a budget? Can she run? I mean, my accountant, we have a CPA that comes in every year and audits us and Every year, he tries to steal her. He does. He's like, where'd you go to school? I didn't go to school. Really? No. It's just grace given her. And I tell people, I say, you know, you give me a group of people and a Bible and a microphone, we could be here all day. You give her a computer, a budget to work, an adding machine, pencil behind her ear, and a door that closes, and she's in heaven. I've walked in her office, and she's like, I said, what? She said, I'm two pennies off. I said, Keon, we ran $150,000 through the books this week or month. You know, you're two pennies off. She said, oh, no. I said, Keon, just, just scratch it out and just write the right number in. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll find it. I have watched her spend six, eight, ten hours. Door shut, steam coming off her head. Computer smoking. You walk by her door and she's like. And all of a sudden. Her door opens and she comes out. She looks like she just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I have conquered the budget again. I was right. The bank was wrong. Woo! Victory dance. I'm telling you, it's, it's hilarious. But she found her grace. What can you do? What can you do? Man, I can run. Well, then go out for track. What can you do? Man, I'm strong. Okay, then lift weights. What can you do? How many of y'all would understand why I didn't try out for basketball? Because that grace wasn't given to me. I don't have the ability. It's not in the dog. Right? All right, so we have a measure of faith, a measure of rule. Now, it goes on to tell us having then gifts different according to the grace given. Let's ever say, my gifts are by grace. My measure of grace is my measure of my gift. Amen. Do you know that all different people fulfill all different functions in society? You know, the Bible talks about, and I'll show you another picture of this. Well, look. Let's look at one more thing here before we get any further. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 a minute. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm not going to go through and teach on the gifts. That's another message. I'm just trying to show you there's a potential inside you that you must realize. I don't get up and brush your teeth in the morning, and I'm not going to be able to re realize for you what your potential is. You're going to have to get on your face and in your Bible, and you're going to have to discover by doing what exactly you're on this earth for. But I wouldn't quit until I knew. I sure wouldn't quit until I knew. Because when you find that place, it's that divine, uh -huh. You know, I, my good friend says this. He says, revelation knowledge is when you see for the first time what you've been looking at for a long time. That's revelation. It's unveiling. It's like, now I see it. Aha. Uh -huh. You know, when you step into your place of grace, there's that, oh, this just feels like me. But if you're, oh, oh I, just, I just, I don't like doing this, guess what? You're probably not in your place of grace. You know the old saying, when you find what you're called to do, you'll never work another day in your life? There's a truth to that, but that's also a little misleading. They're sweating all labor. That's part of the curse, and that's still the curse that's on the earth. Amen? If you still got thorns, and if you still got weeds in your garden, then there's still labor attached to sweat. Amen? So, yes, there is a rest in it that, you know, I always say when you know you're called and you know you've discovered your grace, when you say, I would do this if I wasn't getting paid. I would do this if I wasn't getting paid because I just know this is what I'm supposed to do. Now you're in your grace. Now you're in your grace. Amen. For uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, for we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. For they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now we had, what, four Singers on the platform this morning? Destiny, is that right? Four of you? Okay. You know what would be the dumbest thing you ever did? Any four of you would be to go back and listen to that recording and say, well, I think I can sing better than her. It would be the dumbest thing you ever did. Why? Because you ain't her. So it would be the dumbest thing you ever did. You know, for me to stand up here and preach and then say, Man, Vicky sure exhorted better than I did this morning. No. You know what she did? Vicky. You know what I'm doing? Dave. You know what he's doing? Tom. You know what she's doing? Keong. Are you hearing me? I'm doing me. And that's all I got to worry about. Well, I don't think me's enough. Well, we got to go back to Romans 12 again. You're not supposed to be thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, but to think soberly, for God's given to every man the measure of faith. Stay in your measure, be content, and let's get her done. Amen. That's West Virginian. <laughs> Amen. But they measure themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We, however, everybody say, that'd be me. That'd be me. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. 
Now this is the third measure we're given, and this is called the measure of rule. The measure of rule. So we all have a measure of grace, a measure of faith, and a measure of rule. Paul starts off by saying this, and then he goes on to say this, verse 14. We are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in another man's labor, but having hope that your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you, again, in our sphere. Now this morning I came into this building under a man and a woman's sphere of authority. And they gave me permission under their sphere of authority to step into a place of grace and minister according to my gift. But everything I say and everything I do is subjected to this couple right here and this leadership team. Why? This ain't my circus and you ain't my monkeys. Come on, somebody. Somebody just turned around and said, did he really just say that? I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not appointed to you as your overseer. You're eating out today. Right? You're eating out today. This is uh, eating out and this is home cooking. Right? So today you get, now I don't want, I, I'm hoping you call me Outback or Olive Garden. I hope you don't call me McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that was a good cheeseburger, Dave. I hope you say, son, that was a steak on the plate. Move a God on the plate right there. Come on. I hope you say that. Anyway, hallelujah. So we're not extending ourselves over what we are. We're not boasting beyond our measure in other men's labors. But we're staying in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is improved, but whom the Lord commends. You got that? You see how we keep getting told over and over stay in your lane quit trying to be something you're not take be content with your measure well I think there's more well then it's on you to possess your portion I said it's on you to possess your portion I can't do that for you a lot of people say, Pastor Dave, will you pray for me that I fulfill my call? I will pray for you that you fulfill your call, but I can't fulfill your call for you. But I will join my faith and encourage you to rise up in the full measure that God has put inside of you. I have a good friend, and he said one day someone came up to him after a meeting. He's a prophet and said, uh, hey, Brother Kevin, uh, I'd like to, you to pray for me. And he said, well, what do you want me to pray for? You? And he said, I want your anointing. And Kevin said, you can't have it. I'm still using it. <laughs> after I die, throw up a call. Worked for Elisha. <laughs> Amen. But not till after Elijah was gone. Hallelujah. You can't have my portion. I'm still in it. But you have your own. 
You know, I, I have this saying, I'd rather do something small great than something great small. I'd rather come to the end of my race saying, Lord, as much as I could see, I did. I did all that I believed that you called me to do. And then with the Apostle Paul, we'll be able to say, I ran my race. I ran my race. And I did what you called me to do. Yeah, I did what you called me to do. Amen. Now, I'm going to wrap this up this morning with this in Luke, Luke 12. I'm going to read through this pretty quickly and just hit a couple high points. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Luke 12, 35, I'm sorry. Let your waist be girded and your lamps be burning. You know, we were exhorted over and over today through worship. Get revived. Get your fire burning. You know, I have a fire pit at my house, and I'm amazed at how much wood I can burn in an evening. I'm talking, I can burn a stack of oak like this in one evening. Why? Fire consumes. And, you know, uh, my, my wife's brother and sister-in-law were visiting us from Los Angeles last weekend, and, and they live in the concrete jungle, and we live in the middle of the woods. I'm not kidding. It's in the middle of the woods, and it's awesome. And they th I think they were scared to come. <laughs> I really do. I don't know what they thought they were going to find when they got there. But, I mean, they were like, you know, <laughs> some old redneck hillbilly going to come out and kill us. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking, but I think that's what they were thinking, you know. And uh, they got there, and they... And Kyung said, let's build a fire. And I said, well, it's cool. It's like 50. I said, it's cool tonight. Then we'll have to build a bigger fire. It wasn't just a little fire to look at. Now we needed a fire to get warm by. And so I, I'd been burning fires to look at through the summer and the fall. Now I'm burning a fire to keep us warm. And I went through a stack of wood. Because the greater... You respond to your measure, the more fuel it's going to take to sustain that fire. The fire ain't going to stay on fire by itself. And you know, I have this, I have this grill. It's called a green egg. It's a great grill. Way overpriced, but a great grill. And the other day, I was in the grill store getting some charcoal, and this lady said, Hey, Dave, have you seen this? And, and I looked, and she said, it's called an igniter. Of course you made an igniter. You just want another 60 bucks out of me. But it's this, it's this thing that you stick down in the charcoal and you just push the button. And it gets a hot end. It's like a heat gun, but it blows. And you can light a charcoal grill in like 60 seconds. It's pretty cool. But I've learned that the whole... When I pull that thing up and I, then it has another setting called fan. And when you pull it back, it goes, and, buddy, she's flame on. And I'm telling you, we all have, revival is when it goes from, to, you know, and it, flame on. 
Why? It's time for another leg of the journey. The Bible says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord, and you shall receive times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And revival is when God comes in and blows on you and gets you stirred up and say, my God, I'm about to pray like I ain't never prayed. My God, I'm about to witness like I ain't never witnessed before. My God, I'm about to tear my Bible up from chapter to chapter. My God, my God, my God. That's revival. That's revival. And those are scheduled times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. It's where God fans our flame. So he says, you let your waist be girded and your lamps be burning. And you yourselves will be like men who wait for their master. And when he returns from the wedding, he will find when he comes and knocks that they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself And have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. That he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. Blessed are those servants that he finds them. But know this. And they say, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. One thing I've learned about how the Lord's nature is. He gives a promise and he gives a warning. He gives a promise. Why? He can't lie. But I'm going to bless you. But if you don't. So he says, but know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Peter replied and said, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to Family Worship Center too? The Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give him their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant. Did you all see the word portion there? Did y'all see the word portion there? Everybody say measure of faith, measure of grace, measure of rule. I have a portion. I have a predetermined portion. And I'm going to discover it. I'm going to possess it. Many years ago, my wife and I were, uh, we didn't have a home. We just started the church in Parkersburg. It was in the year 2000. And we were renting a house, and uh, we had no money. I mean, we were church planting. We had nothing. Zip. I mean, I might have had 150 bucks in my checking account on any given day. It was that bad. And I'll never forget, I'm driving to prayer one morning, like 6 in the morning. I'm driving down Rosemar Boulevard, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. He says, go buy a house. And I spoke right out loud in my car. I said, I don't have any money. Thanks, but I don't have any money. And I mean, just like the Lord said, go buy a house. I said, Lord, I told you, I don't have any money. And it's kind of like the Lord does things at times. He just kind of says, did I ask you if you had any money? I said, go buy a house. I said, Lord, I don't have any money. So I go to work. 
Well, the rest of the day, I've got this haunting, this inside me. Buy a house. Are you really, are we really communicating here? I don't know whether to rebuke the devil or what, you know. Buy a house. So I'm sitting there in my office and the, the day's going on and all of a sudden the thought hits me. I don't know why I'd never thought of it before, but this thought hits me. You've never used your VA loan. You don't need money. I got credit. I got a VA loan I've never used. So I come home, I tell wife, I say, honey, God said buy a house. Her first answer, we don't have any money. <laughs> I said, oh, you have little faith. What's the matter with you, woman? Come on, woman. Lord, the woman that thou gavest me, she cannot believe. No, I didn't. I said, no, we don't, but I have a VA loan. She's like, what's that? She didn't know what it was. I said, I got a piece of paper in my file that says I can buy a house with no money down. We can make a payment. We just can't have any money. So long story short, we go out and start looking at the houses, and we look, and nothing, nothing. Well, then we talked to the banker. We got pre-qualified in the VA at that time for 25 years since Vietnam, a VA loan had a cap of $135,000 to buy a home. So we're looking at all homes, $135,000 and under, right? And so everything's good, you know. I'm just, And so one day the realtor calls me. She was the lady in our church, and she says, Dave, can you and come with me? I said, sure. And so she drives us up on what I refer to as snob knob. It's a hill of nice homes. And she pulls up in this driveway, and I just looked at her and said, no. Number one, I ain't buying a house like this. Oh, I can hear it now. That preacher down there taking everybody's money. I said, no. And then I said, besides that, we could never afford it. She said, now, Dave, just wait a minute. I really believe the Lord spoke to me. This is y'all's house. Well, my wife jumps out the car, <laughs> sticks her little Korean nose in the window and said, this house is mine. I said, no, get back here. Woman, get back in the car. What's the matter with you? Sit down. You know, I'm, I'm like, no, no, honey, no, no. She said, oh, no, 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 this is my house. So I said, no, Keong, this is not your house. She said, it's my house. Well, long story short, she starts going to that house every day. There were nose prints on every window in that house. Little Korean nose prints. And everyone, she'd come over, she says, my house, I say. And one day, I, I just... I said, Kyung, this one's on you, buddy, because my faith ain't there. That's what I told her. I said, this one on you. She said, that's fine. I got more faith than you do anyway, you know. I mean, <laughs> in some things. So, long story short again, I'm, you know, so this lady says, Dave, she said, this house has, the guy built it. He was a, a town commissioner. He built it. He never moved in it. It's been sitting empty for three years. And everybody thinks there's something wrong with the house because it hadn't sold. But she said, I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with it. So I go and I inspect the house, and I'm a builder. And I'm like, ain't nothing wrong with this house. I said, why hadn't it sold? She said, because it's yours. I'm like, What's, well, long story short, this house is priced nearly $100,000 under market value. This is clear back in 2000. And so I'm like, well, that's great. But they want, you know, we had negotiated the price down to 239000 was it? 
And my VA loan was 135. So I'm going to the Lord saying, I tried. And so her faith is, that's my house. She's standing on the scripture. It says, if you leave houses or lands or families for my sake, you'll receive a hundredfold in this life with persecutions. Don't forget that part. And eternal life. Well, guess what? One day I'm sitting at my desk. A couple weeks went by. I'm sitting at my desk one day, and the BB&T Bank was who we would pre-prove through. They did VA loans in our town, and I called the loan officer, Helen Statz, and I said, Helen, Dave here. She said, yeah, Dave. I said, now, let's go over that pre-qualification, and she's like, okay, let me pull up your file. Guys, this, this is unreal. Let me pull up your file. So she's going through my file. She says, okay, uh, we're at a, uh, well, the VA cap, Dave, you know. She goes, wait a minute, Dave, wait. I just got an email from the VA. God is my witness, I'm telling you the truth. She goes, wait a minute. There's about a one-minute delay, and the next words that come out of her mouth is, Dave, I have goosebumps. I said, what? She said, I'm looking at an email from the VA that says they have just moved the cap from $135,000 to $350,000. She said, how much is that house your wife wants? I said, $239,000. She said, we can do it. So we bought a $350,000 home for $239,000. Measure of faith. And I don't take any credit for that today. That was this woman. Because I didn't even try. I, I mean, but she said, oh no. I'm possessing my portion. And you know what? Her portion was not even my portion. We're married. We're one flesh. But we're still two people. And God had given her a promise that she wasn't going to let go of. Amen. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour when he's not aware and he'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. So a church folk can be given a portion with the heathen, the pagans, the unbelievers if they don't take their portion serious. If they don't become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is a reasonable service. If they don't remain steadfast until he comes. If they don't fulfill their call, they can lose it all. That's fact. That's the words of the Lord. So how do we do this? Well, I'll tell you how I do it. Every morning I wake up. And I begin to pray. And first of all, I'm not even smart enough. You know, the Bible says, I don't even judge, you know, Paul says, I don't even judge myself. I don't even judge myself. Why? I don't know all my portion yet. I can't tell you what the end of my day will be. I can't tell you, you know, I got an idea, but I don't know the end yet. People say, what do you think you're going to do, Dave, in this next season? 
I said, Lord hadn't spoken yet, so I'm still in his will. Well, a few weeks ago, I'm in prayer. Everything, we've, we've done everything up to this day that the Lord has told us to do, we have accomplished. Boom. I'm still in the race. A few weeks ago, I'm in prayer, just praying along, and the Lord speaks to me. He says, son, it's time for you to take responsibility for educating your own children. Oh, man. So I walk out to the church, and I say, folks, the Lord has spoken. It's time for us to take responsibility for educating our own children. We're going to have to build a Christian school. Boom. For us. Now, I know you already have a Christian school. We have a preschool. We have a daycare with 150 kids in it. But the Lord has told me, now it's time to take responsibility. You can just cry about the state all you want, but it's time for you. The state doesn't have to stand before me and say how their children were educated. you got to stand before me. It's time for you to take. And so now I'm in the race all over again. I'm like, Lord, I need like $7 million. So this morning we're going to take an offering. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tom, I was wanting you to jump up, so I'll take three. <laughs> Amen. But now I'm in a whole new race. I'm 60, I'll be 64 real soon, and I'm in a whole new race of a multi-million dollar endeavor. And I'm like, here we go again. Just when I wanted to relax and let the horse walk a little bit. Yeah, it's time to giddy up and go, amen. It's time to start saying, all right, Lord, I call it in. Amen. And you know, I no more than just spoke that into the air in a service. And literally, in 14 days, I was handed $34,000. I never took an offering. People just started walking up to me and handing me money. Handing me money. Here, here's a check for $3,000. That's for the school. Here's, Pastor, $10,000. This is for the school. Here, Pastor. I had two, like, 21-year-olds come to me weeping, tears running down their cheeks. One handed me $1,100. A young man, he said, Pastor, I don't want kids to end up like I ended up. You take this for the school. Another young lady who's one of our children's church workers walked up to me with tears running down her cheeks. She said, Pastor, I can't leave this money in my checking account knowing we need a school. Hand me $1,200. And I'm like, well, I guess we're going to build a school. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know how and I don't know when, but this thing I know, we'll do it again. Amen. We're going to do it again because he'll do it again. Amen. So I've now found a new purpose, a new challenge, a new goal. I discovered there was more potential than I thought. Two months ago, I had no, no ambition to build a Christian school. So now I get up every morning, and this is what I do. I go to Ephesians, and I look at chapter 1, and I say this. <laughs> I pray that the God of our Father, or the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, 
Give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened that I may know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of that power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named not only in this world but also in the one which is to come. And he's given him to be the head of the church hallelujah the head of the church throughout all ages world without end amen that's one and then I go to Ephesians chapter 3 and I say for this reason I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant unto me to be strengthened with might by his spirit in my inner man that Christ would dwell in my heart by faith that I being rooted and grounded in love will comprehend with all saints what is the length the breadth the height the depth to know the fullness of God that passes knowledge that I may be filled with all the fullness of God now unto you who are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can even ask or think according to the power that works in me under him hallelujah amen and you know what I do I just breathe potential breathe out manifest breathe in thank you father we're going to build a school breathe out manifest I begin to call all right you people that got money, give it up. Give it up. I'm going to help save your children. Give up the money. We got to build a school. I'm calling into the wind. What am I doing? My faith can grab hold of a $7 million school and bring it into being in Parkersburg, West Virginia. I had a friend say to me, where are you from? I said, Parkersburg. He said, I always wonder about a guy that lives in a city that ends in Berg. So he said to me, I said, well, it ain't all bad. Especially during COVID, we found out it was pretty nice. They just kind of left us alone in our little mountain town, amen. We was just enjoying it. Hallelujah. So, folks, what we got to do is we got to realize our potential. I told you a little bit what mine is. I don't know all what yours is. It's a measure you were given. It's a treasure that you were given. And you got the keys. And you got to put them in the lock. And you got to turn it. And you got to open it up. And you got to say, I will be faithful to the end. And I will fulfill my call. I will. I had a friend that wrote a song one time and it went like this. I will fulfill my call. I will give you my all. I surrender all I am to your full authority, Jesus. I will fulfill my call. Amen. And that's my song. I will fulfill my call. I will give you my all. I surrender all I am to your full authority, Jesus. I will fulfill my call. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. 
For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.